Welcome to Zen Parenting, brought to you by Avid Company. This is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. And this is the next installment. <laughs> I don't like For that some word. reason, Kathy doesn't like the word installment, uh-huh. so I'm going to get my kicks and call it the next installment of Zen Parenting. Okay. Do you have a problem with that? Uh, no. No that, problem. That's, well, actually, I don't really like that word, but if you feel the need to use it, then, then I'll roll with it. I will use installment, because <laughs> I like the word about installment. the next show? The next installment show, everybody. All right. Okay. Well, th- as you said, there's a few things we're going to talk about today. But one one thing I wanted to start with is that, um, you know, we've been getting a lot of emails about the show. Thank you very much, by the way. And a question that has come up is, why do you guys call it Zen Parenting Radio? What does that mean? Um, and I think it means a lot of different things. It's tough to... To, to summarize? Summarize, but uh, well, why don't you give your definition of Zen parenting, and then I'll talk about why we do this show, or why I think we, sh- we do this show. Okay, well, let me just give you the basic definition. Of the, the word Zen, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, it, uh, you know, if you look it up, you're going to get a lot of different definitions from a lot of different cultures, etc. But what I have taken from the word Zen is that um, growth and understanding come through self-awareness. And if I had to kind of summarize what I write about and what I believe and what my book is about and what the show is about, it's about growing um, so or being more self-aware through growth. I mean, it goes back and forth, you know, both ways. And that if we know more about ourselves, then we can easily relate to other people. We have more compassion. We have more understanding. We're not so blaming. Um, less judgment. Less judgment. And this is especially important with our children because if we understand ourselves and why we do the things we do sometimes we're just on autopilot we just do things and say things and you know the whole um i'm your mom that's why right um and do what i tell you to do do what i say not what i do right and and if we can be more um you know understanding and compassionate we'll be able to hear our kids easier we'll be able to understand where they come from because we understand where where we come from so well and and i would say that um I, i think one of the goals we have is to understand what role we are playing in an exchange with our kids. I mean, this is a parenting show and, you know, we talked about on the first or the second week, uh, you know, times when you get frustrated or times when your kid totally melts down and you need to kind of take a step back and look at not just what's going on in this moment. You know, one is what role am I playing in this? Am I frustrated? Is, Is this kid meeting me where where I am. Well, and with what you just said, the word that came into my mind is taking responsibility for your own behavior. Because a lot of times, um, as I said on the first show, it's not about blaming and saying, okay, now, you know, a lot of parents would say, okay, now it's all my fault. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's two people in the relationship and we are the adults. And so we have to take our responsibility for what we're saying and doing. And then our child responds from that place. And again, they are the child. And so we have to demonstrate a way of communicating so then our kids can communicate back. Well, and I will say, um, as far as why I think we do this show, and this isn't necessarily about the term Zen, but I, what I hope to accomplish on this show is to facilitate a discussion, either within yourself or with your spouse or your partner or whoever that may be, that otherwise may not happen. I mean, this is something that we that I've talked about in some of our parenting classes that mm-hmm. we do here at the Elmhurst Yoga Shala. And, you know, sometimes that this is just a trigger for a discussion that may not otherwise happen. And I feel like if we can play that small role in somebody's lives, giving them, saying, hey, did you hear what, you know, even if you think we're crazy with some of the things we talk about. Right. Even if, At least it's a starting point. Right. If, even if you disagree with us wholeheartedly, um, 
then maybe you can have a conversation with your partner about that, and maybe that would create some type of some growth or some awarenesses. Absolutely. And because something that um, a lot of parents have told me when I work with them is that they, you know, to put something else on their agenda, like, okay, every Sunday night, let's talk about our family. You know, every Sunday night, you know, you know, you and your significant other or every Saturday night or whatever, sit down and talk about your goals for your family or what you want. They look at me like I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. They say, I don't have time for that. Or when are we going to do that? Or that conversation's too difficult. And I guess the way, what I believe in, in personally and professionally is that's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe not every Saturday and Sunday, but if you're never talking about what you want and what you want your family to look like and feel like and what you hope to instill in your children and what you want to teach them, how is that going to happen? Well, like, and, and just to give you an example, last week you said, hey, let's set some goals for 2011. Yeah. And Kathy is more of a goal setter. It's, I think that's the process that you need to do to well, kind of get to where you want to go. And I and the word goal, I, I don't like that a ton because really it's more about clarity of intention. I like to know what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. I don't like to just kind of wander. And when I say going for, sometimes it's just more peace mm-hmm. or more yoga mm-hmm. or more. It doesn't always have to be a goal that is It's not about the monetary. destination. Right. It's about the... Uh, the path, the, right? I need the to process. know my well, clarity. So and, anyway, and I will say, you know, you you even gave me saying, hey, how about tomorrow we do this? And to be honest with you, I was not. You weren't. I wasn't into really it. into yeah. it, but I I went along with it, and we kind of sat down the next night, <laughs> and you're like, okay, here we go, and I just completely for the most part, wasn't there. Like, I tried my best, but I don't feel like I was but you know what, that helpful. Not in that moment. But what was interesting, I don't know if you remember this part of the conversation, but you didn't really have much to offer. You know, yeah. Well, it was also 10 o'clock. Right. That was it, was, also it was late the at night. Was the timing late. wasn't good. It was too late. But you didn't have much to offer. But I gave you, I said out loud some of the things that I want to focus on and some of the, the things that I want to be clear about. And you know what happened is the next day, um, something came up. And, you know, we always like, something came up. We can't remember. But I really don't remember what it was. But then the conversation continued, Mm -hmm. meaning that I was like, that's one of the goals I want us to write down. Or you brought up the house Mm because we're going to work on our house this year. Yeah, we're going to try to do an addition. And I said, that's one of our goals. And so we opened the door to the conversation. We didn't get very far. Um, but then the conversation then flowed. You know, we opened the door for for it to at least take place. And well, I think and, that's clarity in itself. Well, one thing I want to recognize is, you know, not to say you and I don't have disagreements, but I have a feeling I did not meet your expectations when it was time for us to sit down and talk and meet meet goals. But one thing that I appreciate that I probably haven't verbalized to you is that you didn't, like, get on my case about it. You're like, okay, well, he's just not that into it right now, but maybe it'll organically happen later in the week or whatever so thank you to for for not making you know because if you would have said no we got to do this and then i would have gotten upset or passive aggressive i don't know what i would have done but it just wasn't happening for me and then another thing is you know yourself well enough that you did this with a friend of yours on saturday night too so um you still kind of got to where you wanted to go, even though I wasn't completely into it. Right. And I knew Manisha wanted to do goals and that she and I could sit down and and do the same thing because really going back to what you said about me not pushing you, I know it's more for me. Mm -hmm. When I come to you and say, let's do goals, I'm not trying to make you a better person. I'm not trying to say, Todd, let me tell you, let me teach you how to be like me. I know that I'm doing it for me, but you 
be, you know, being my partner, you know that I need to talk it over with you. <laughs> Going right. back to the second show about the whole external processing thing, I just need to talk it over. And so I need you for that. But you weren't, you, I wasn't you, you didn't want to do it and that's all right. Or you, we couldn't do much. And so then my, my, my girlfriend, you know, mm-hmm. Manisha and I want to make these goals. And so she and I go through the process and we did plenty of talking. Yeah. They were know? gone for about four and a half hours <laughs> for goodness sake. And so it's, you know, and then I still came home and shared with you the highlights of mm-hmm. these are the things that I think I would like to work on and you gave your input. So it's all the same. It mm-hmm. just I think we get too focused and controlled about how it's supposed to look, mm-hmm. everything in our life. But let's just focus on this issue of setting goals. It's got to look this way. We've got to complete this. It's got to be up on my vision board. It's got, And sometimes it's just being aware that you want to do it and then let it evolve naturally. You use the term vision board. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... That, I was unfamiliar with that term a few years ago. Now that because I'm married to you, I know what a vision board is. Um, what is a vision board? Um, well, for me, a vision board is um, it's a cork board that I have in my room where when things, ideas, um, or inspiration come to me, I put it up on the board. And a lot of times it's um, aspirations that I have, you know, like, you know, I want to write for this magazine or I want to, I've had a, a radio up mm-hmm. on the vision board for about two years. So I think it's so fun that we're doing radio well, now. Well, you manifest yeah, it. Yeah. That's my belief system is I put it up there and I looked at it all the time. So my, I intentionally moved in that direction. And here we are. And Little did are. you know, you're going to bring me along for the ride I on the know, radio. I know. I'm glad. And you know, a bunch of other things that are up there and also quotes that I really like things that really resonate with me. Um, things that are, I think, the best way, you know, I'd see a quote that describes exactly how I'm feeling or something that I feel to be very true. And some people, I really love, love, love words. And even though I feel like I, I have a skill with words, there are other people who have just an amazing mm-hmm. skill with words. And so I really, um, well, and let's bring this back to parenting because okay. this is in parenting radio. Right. Um, why is it important as a parent to, for you, not for everybody, but for you, why, why is it important for you to do this as a parent? Do what? A vision board? A vision board. Well, I, I mean, think... Does, doesn't it kind of go into the whole self-care philosophy Absolutely. A bit? It goes into self-care and also goes back to the beginning of our conversation about the goals, you know, mm-hmm. and again, the word goal, it, it just carries a yeah, different like energy than what I like, but intention? the intention is that if you are clear about your intention, that's the way you move. It's that simple. I, you know, it's, I know this sounds spiritual and you may hear this on Oprah or read, the, you know, I don't know, you know, where you get your information or if this is brand new information, but basically... I believe if you are clear about what you want and where you want to go, that's naturally the way you go. If you're just kind of fumbling and hoping and, you know, you're not sure or you're, you know, more worried about what other people are doing or the things you think you should be doing, Mm -hmm. then you don't really get to those places that you really want to experience. And so it's, and does it always work out? No. No. There are things on my vision board that didn't, have not yet transpired. They may eventually. Or maybe you take it off because it's no longer the right fit for you. Yeah. There have been some things that I thought, this is what I want. And then as I an inch closer to it, I realized it wasn't. So it's not like this magical potion. It's not like this thing that just poof, it's there. It's just intention. It's just having a lead to follow. Right. Well, and, you know, going back to what I hope to accomplish on the show, I, I hope to give everybody out there a bunch of ideas. And I think I'll be very blessed if everybody can take one or two ideas from every show that we have. Um, you know, whatever resonates with you and you agree with, Take, take, take home and put it in your practice or your daily life. And what doesn't, throw it away and forget we ever said it. Just you know? leave it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not trying to, 
to do engage in our parenting philosophy. Right. It's finding your own. Right. It's not trying to convince you um, we need to do this like Kathy and Todd. It's trying to um, open up, like you said, the discussion for you to figure out how you want to parent in your home. And that's one of the things as a, as a parent coach that when I'm working with families, that's what I tell them is, you know, when we start working together, I'm not going to give you answers on how to do everything, mm-hmm. but I'm going to help you engage in discussion on how you would like to do it. Because if I tell you, here's how you work with your kids, here's what you say, here's what you do, here's how to do the timeout, and it doesn't feel good to you or it doesn't feel right, you're not going to keep doing it. So I can just throw the answers at you and say, do it this way, but I'm not, what is that thing about teaching someone to fish rather than bringing them the fish? Right, right. Like if I just give you the answers, it doesn't resonate. Um, it, it, do, it won't it, stick. It won't stick. It's kind of like the whole super nanny thing. Yeah. Every, you know, you know, that's that half hour show on ABC. I don't even, is it still on? I think it's is on. Is it still on? But whatever. And you know, she kind of comes in and tells you exactly what to do. I don't feel like that's what we're hoping to accomplish. Right. And where, you know, exactly. I, I hope that we can just maybe spark an idea, which leads to a conversation which which leads to your your greater awareness or maybe a shift in your parenting or something you didn't think about before you know that that's what my goal is and that's i love that part of my job i love not giving you the great idea where you say oh you know kathy's smart she gave me this idea but where you say i'd never thought about it that way before now i am going to contemplate how i want to incorporate that into my world Mm -hmm. and that to me is awesome well well, even in your you know you have a coaching practice where you talk to parents one-on-one and like you've been saying you don't really give them the answers you ask questions yeah and you let them come up with their own answers so I suppose as long as we're talking about things that we want to accomplish on this show is maybe to ask our audience the questions to contemplate and then to come up with their own answers. Is that safe to say? That sounds good. Okay. Um, So with that in mind, do you want to um, talk about the fun stuff we wanted to talk about? So our first three shows have been, um, I don't know, I think pretty condensed and pretty compact with a lot of information. And we've had a fun time doing it, but we decided on this next show that we want to kind of think outside of the box and do something a little bit more fun. Well, that with that being said, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about entertainment. And the reason we're going to talk about entertainment is for Todd and I, um, self-care, um, well, a piece of self-care for us is entertainment. Even part of what drew me to Todd initially when we were in college is he really loved movies and he would always say lines from movies. I'm a movie line guy. <laughs> and um, I love that too. I've always loved that, you know, um, listening to other people say lines, but also I say a lot of my own. So it was just something that drew us together is our love of entertainment and movies. And so we talk a lot when we go to a movie, we talk a lot about um well, I tend to get a little more deep about it, but about the characters and why they're so great or why they're not or what their challenges are. I kind of therapize the characters. And if a movie's complicated, I'll have to come out of the theater and say, okay, why did this person do that? I don't get it. Or like, remember when we used to watch Law & Order? No, it was Sopranos that oh, Sopran- you really... Oh, Sopranos. So yeah. many layers there. And yeah. I'm, there's certain things that I'm really good at, and there's other things that where it doesn't... If they don't spoon-feed you the information, I have no idea what's going on. Right. Well, and I and I love shows like that. I love where there's, like, so many layers that... And, again, if they don't spoon-feed you because they want you to interpret it in your own way, and I, I love that because then, you know... I like to be spoon-fed. I'm a spoon-feed <laughs> kind of guy. Just give me the information so I don't have to think, for goodness sakes. Oh, so, anyway, with that entertainment thing in mind, we wanted to talk about a few parents in the entertainment world, um, meaning parents in movies... Characters. 
characters, movie characters that kind of stimulated discussion um, between us and why we either liked them or were challenged by them. Right. Um, so. And then hopefully, you know, people out there can kind of learn from some of the examples that we give. Yeah, the things that we, we deem to be positive or negative. But um, also, you can start to think about some of the movie characters that you really love and why they resonated with you. So the first one I wanted to start with was um, in Juno. I loved Juno's dad. Yep, the dad from Juno. And we both, um, what's his name, J.K. Simmons? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, and he's just a great character actor anyway. He's in all sorts of movies, but we just, well, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not going to do the we thing. I just loved him for these reasons, okay, thinking as a therapist and a parent coach and just the way he was with his children. He, when she, you know, Juno, if you haven't seen the movie, Juno's pregnant and she's in high school and, you know, it's just not a positive situation all around for her or her family. But what he does is, first of all, listens to her and she knows she can go to him. So they've already established a relationship where she knows I can go to my dad and talk to him. There's trust. There's trust. And he, of course, shares his disappointment and shares how he feels and says, this is, you know, how did this happen? And, you know, I thought you knew better than that and the things that parents say. But then the the bottom line was he said, I'm going to help you through this. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you when we're figuring out who, you know, is going to adopt this child. I will. And, and her stepmother was like, you know, I'll help you with, you know, vitamins and doctors. And they supported her. Her through it they shared how they felt and of course they were disappointed that's mm-hmm. not your dream mm-hmm. for your child is to but they also loved her mm-hmm. unconditionally and helped her and supported her as she grew and um even though it was a movie i thought it was fabulous so maybe there was a little bit of judgment in the parents in that moment but they got past it very very quickly is right. that safe to say absolutely i mean it was that's a a really tough situation and maybe some parents out there listening have been in this situation where a child has gotten pregnant or they themselves got pregnant you know you know early on and um you know i i can't imagine the way that feels and how overwhelming that is but if you know you can go to your parent and that your parent will you know be there with you and stand by you um however you know whatever may come i think that's fabulous and that's what i just think the communication piece is so important is that we don't want to the reason we don't want to use fear and shame and guilt with our children is because then they're going to think that we don't understand at all and they're not going to come to us when they're challenged in life if it be something huge like a pregnancy like that or if it be something more minor like someone's not treating me very well if they if they think you're going to judge them and they think that you're going to shame them, mm-hmm. you are not going to be the person they go to. Right, and they'll either go to their friends who may or may not be able to give good advice or they won't go to anybody exactly. and they'll keep it cooped up inside their body and it will get released out there somehow somewhere down the line. And that doesn't mean there's not a consequence for those behaviors. You know, right. that's the thing that people misinterpret when I talk about, you know, supporting your kids. They'll say, but they need to know what they did was wrong. Absolutely. There are consequences for behavior, but consequences, do, it doesn't have, it doesn't always have to be punitive and shaming. It can be, here's your consequence. You know, this is, these are the things you can and can't do now, mm-hmm. but I am still your parent. I will still support you and love you. Yeah. And I don't know, unconditional love. Would that be? Absolutely. To summarize To it, summarize. Yeah. So, um, and the funny part about that scene, at least the funny part that I thought was after Juno tells her parents that she's pregnant and then the, <laughs> Juno goes upstairs, um, JK uh-huh. and his wife kind of say, oh my God, I didn't see this one coming. She's like, I know, I thought she she was getting expelled from school. He's or like, a or, DUI. or a DUI or something, but not this. So yeah, so and you know, and it's a it's a movie. It's it's not all real, but it's a good. Again, it was just a great discussion when we saw the movie about what he did well, mm-hmm. what that character, how that character was written. Yeah. Um, it was there was he some, was an awesome. Dad. He was an awesome, loving dad. Yeah, it was good. So good job. 
JK. JK, whatever yeah. his name is. Exactly. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm going to not be able to have such a deep explanation of why my TV dads or movie dads are as good. But okay. I've always been, like the two TV dads that come up to me as far as my favorite TV dads, everybody would say Homer Simpson just because he's so darn funny, but that's too easy of an answer. I was always a fan of Stephen Keaton from Family Ties. I know. I love Stephen Keaton, and, too. And while preparing for the show, Kathy said, okay, why'd you like him? And I'd be like, mm, I don't know. He was funny. <laughs> and I just thought of a few episodes where he kind of had some funny one-liners. But I guess in the end, the deeper uh, understanding is he was a good dad and kind of same as the Juno dad. He was um, funny yet uh, understanding and human and showed his good sides and his bad sides. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just really good. So I need you to ask me a question. Otherwise, well, I, well absolutely. Well, he would, first of all accepting of your child. I mean, he had a son who was completely opposite, opposite than the way he thought. If you guys didn't watch Family Ties again, we're aging ourselves with this one. Um, but you know, the parents, you know, Stephen and Elise Keaton were huge liberal mm. hippies. You yeah. know, and they had their first son. Alex was a was a Republican and a very big fan conservative. Of Ron- Ronald Reagan fan. Yeah, and they were they allowed him to be who he was. They sure did. So you're right. Now that I think about it. That that is, um, you know, one of the underlying factors of why it was so good. He was yeah. a, a very non-judgmental dad, and if that's something that I can aspire to be, then I'll be in good shape. And just allowing and standing back, and instead of saying, "Wait a second, we, your parents, this is the way we think. We, you know, you need to be open-minded. You need to be this. You need to be, you know." Or um, they said, "This is what he believes, and this is great, and this is what's going to take him far." Um, you know. Well, and we were listening. I was. Um, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle, who's uh, an author who wrote the book A New Earth. And I had you listen to a certain part of it when he was talking about parenting. And uh, one thing that he said that really resonated with me is that the moment your kids are born, you really kind of do know what's best for them. You know that you need to keep them warm. You know that they need to sleep. They and, you absolutely know, need they you. They need to be fed. Mm-hmm. They 100% need you. And you do know what's best for them. But in in the book he's like as you get as your children get older you know less and less about what is best for your children mm-hmm. and i think most parents don't don't get that mm-hmm. they still think that when their kid is 16 that they know what's best for them when in fact what my goal as a parent is is to allow for the space for this person to figure out what path is best for them and you know keep right. them safe but at the same time, stand back a stand little bit. back and let them make their own mistakes. And stand back. What stand back means when we say keep them safe and get out of the way or, you know, let, allow them to be is exactly, you know, what Stephen Keaton did is you raise them, you, you have certain rules, you have structure in the home, all those safety things are in place. But then when they tell you who they are, instead of saying, no, you're not, or that's not who we are, or we're all Bears fans, right. or we're all, you know. Oh, well, yeah, that's you talk about uh, sports. Like, I purposely... Do not tell my daughters. I'm a diehard White Sox fan, and I, although it's hard for me to do, I let them decide who their favorite baseball team is. Now, likes the Cubs, and JC likes the Cubs. And is, I'd be lying if I told you that there wasn't a part of me that says that that cringes. Not that I hate the Cubs. I actually like the Cubs. Second I'm, favorite team. Second favorite team. So, and I know in Chicago that's blasphemous. You're either one or the other, but. Um, but I am allowing these guys to figure out what sports team they like. And that is maybe one small... Well, it's a metaphor because you're allowing them to figure out what they like. Take sports team out of that sentence. You are allowing them to decide rather than say, no, you have my last name. This is our lineage. This is what... You're saying, what do you like? And they may end up liking White Sox eventually. Well, and and that's bottom line. That is what's on... on, During the summer, that's what's on most of the time, not the Cubs. 
So I still find it surprising that she likes the Cubs, but it's, I think it's because her cousins like the Cubs or something like right, that. Right, exactly. The rest, I grew up in a Cubs family, and I still do love the Cubs. I love the Cubs and White Sox, and I know that who people do you don't like believe more, that. Though, sweetie? Well, I know more White Sox players now. Right. So who do you like more? Well, I see. I don't like to answer it. No, just answer it. Who do you like more? <laughs> Be honest. I, I watch the White Sox more. Who do you like more? I'm a word person, so I'm not going to focus on that exactly. Okay, the way you don't have to answer focus. It. Just answer. Do you know what I want to do? What? I want to jump into another um, dad that I like because it goes along right. with the. And we're talking about dads today. I will. We'll talk about uh, entertainment moms later. But the other dad that I want to talk about is um, Billy Elliot's dad. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Billy Elliot. Kind of. It. It now is a. Um, it's. It's now a play or a musical also. But this movie came out. I don't know four, five, six, seven years ago. Sure. I don't remember. I just remember we watched it when we lived at Cicero and Diversity. Yeah. I watched it for the first time right. on a DVD or something. And I lost my mind when I watched that movie as far as I sobbed at the end of that movie. I think you were probably like, what is going on? I sobbed at the end of that movie because his dad, Billy Elliot's dad, who Billy Elliot wants to be a ballet dancer, even though his father and all of his friends and his brother have been boxers and fighters. And he knows in his gut that he wants to dance. And no one has ever showed him dancing. He has no male role models that dance. The only people that dance are the girls. Mm -hmm. And he knows in his gut he wants to dance. And he ends up taking lessons. I'm summarizing this very fast. And he, he realizes that's what he wants. And he eventually shows his dad in this huge scene at the end, this is me dancing and this is who I am. And his dad, where initially was so against it and thought it was awful and was teased by, the dad was teased by his own friends. Yeah, his, own, his dad had his own peer pressure his, from his exactly. own friends. He then, from that point forward, did everything he could do to get Billy into this dance school. Which, and, which included making all these sacrifices. And going back to work and, yeah. and take, getting all the money and asking people for money and getting him. And, and it's great because when, when they're on the bus to go audition for the dance school, Billy said something about how he's never been out of this area and his dad hadn't either. His right. dad had never been this far. Um, or they were going to London, I think. I can't really remember. Okay, but close enough. it doesn't really matter. But basically the end of this the end of it is that Billy's dad accepts him for who he is, even though it's completely out of the box, even though it doesn't make sense to him, even though he doesn't get it. He loves his son enough that he is willing to make sacrifices and take whatever peer pressure comes to allow his son to be who he is. And I'm, get, I'm getting choked. I've been thinking about it. the last scene of the movie. Um, he he goes to see Billy. Years pass. Years pass, and Billy's 18 or however old, and is going to be in this, you know, ballet. And his dad goes to see him, and he's so emotional just watching him. Yeah, he starts tearing up, and he's like this gruff and kind of hard shelled guy. Exactly. And he lets his emotions out a little bit. And they don't even show Billy dancing. They just show the lead up to him about to walk out because it doesn't matter how well Billy dances. That's right. not what it's but about. But you can tell that he he's awesome. How to dance, yeah, he right. becomes this huge muscular guy. But I sobbed at the end of that movie because of the beauty of his father mm -hmm. and the shift of his father and the shift of everybody in that town mm -hmm. um, because of Billy being himself. And if that, uh, again, that just really resonates with me as far as what I want for my children is, you know, they may want things just like you and I want, right? right. They tip, you know, but if there are things that they just are passionate about, I will do my best within reason, sure. you know, if there are financial constraints on some things, but to give to help them with that. Um, you said that um, he was this huge muscular guy, and I wonder if you were emotional because when you saw that guy, it made you think of me. <laughs> What's so funny? Um, uh, I don't. I don't <laughs> think that was what it was. Oh, okay. Um, 
I just thought I'd ask. No, it it wasn't. It was more about that he was this like scrawny little boy when he auditioned, and that's the last time you see him. And the next time, and and everyone is telling him that it's really girly to be a dancer, and it's really like what do they call him? I can't remember what they call him. The I can't understand all the language in that movie because they have a really strong, really dialogue, hard, really hard accent, English accent. But regardless, he, he's teased, and then you see him as a dancer, and he is the most strong mm-hmm. and elegant and beautiful man. And um, anyway, like so, me, yeah. It's, so in some ways, I yeah, guess maybe I, he did. Yeah, that's what I thought. Remind me of you. That's what I was. Thinking. Okay, I'm so. glad we got that cleared up. Okay, good. Um, we are already at the 27 minute mark, all right. which is crazy. So this kind of went really it did and i enjoyed it i like talking about entertainment um well i don't have time to explain my last funny tv dad but i'll just say who he is okay um remember on wonder years that dad um (laughs) kevin arnold uh, and his older brother i can't remember his older brother's name i don't know butthead or something like that Yeah, but he was a a typical older brother anyway um that tv dad was so funny because he was always grumpy (laughs) and i don't know why that was so funny but he was always just kind of a gruff, grumpy guy, and he never smiled. He didn't, but you know what was fun about him is what? he had sparks of awareness, um, yes, too. Yes. Like where he would, they would show him just a slight smile with him. You'd know that he picked up on something right. that was... Right. And even know. through his grumpiness, because we all get grumpy, the, he, there was never um, a moment where you didn't think that he loved his kids. Absolutely. He so. was, well, and he worked hard for him. And then I, even though I can't go into reason why, because I don't think I need to explain, I think the some the... The ultimate dad, the ultimate self-aware dad acting and integrity is Atticus Finch, which if you've read the book or seen the movie uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, talk about leading by example and talk about leading by role model and talk about doing what you know is right um, in the face of what everyone says isn't right and what he taught his children by being who he was and being... um, being in that place of integrity, they obviously, you know, it's that's for a lifetime. They'll they'll take that in themselves. Too. I think your answers are a little bit more well thought out and deeper <laughs> than my Stephen Keaton and the Grumpy Dad from The Wonder Years. Well, and just just well, this is kind of a summarization. When we go to movies, I usually walk out and have these have these deep deep awarenesses. But that's what I love. Well, and I would like to hear if our audience has any other thoughts about it. So just yeah. respond to our Facebook page or email us or email us or go to ZenParentingRadio dot com and respond to the blog, whatever. So I just like to see if anybody else has any other good ideas on TV dads out there. So anyways, we uh, need to talk a little bit about what you have cooking or no? Um, well, just that if you go to my website, uh, kathycassaniadams.com, I have a calendar there and I have things, you know, things that are coming up as far as speaking engagements and, um, you know, kind of too many to list now. And I also have a yoga class that I teach at 1230 on Saturdays. So if you are interested in yoga, please look um, at that website and see my schedule. And kathycassaniadams.com, Correct. Right? And then I will talk about our partner, Avid Company, A-V-I-D-C-O.net, avidcompany.net. They do painting, uh, remodeling, additions for both residential and commercial. I can't say enough about this company. We've contracted with them many, many times. They happen to be doing a um, tearing off the roof of our house and building a second floor. So um, if you are in need of any type of work like that, please call Jeremy Kraft. He's the president, and you can get his information on our website at... ZenParentingRadio.com. His number is 630-956-1800. Jeremy Kraft is the president, so give him a call. Well, this was fun. I enjoyed talking about it. Yes, it was a little bit lighter. So next week we'll go much heavier and challenge you a lot more. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. So anyways, this is Todd Adams saying farewell. And this is Kathy Adams. See you next week. Bye-bye.